Are you tired of ticket fees? Pay the price for your ticket that is advertised and not a penny more. Go to TixBlitz.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Fantastic prices on all sports and concert tickets. Guaranteed seats, no fees. TixBlitz.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. to Halitech Hall. We are back for another episode, and good morning, Mr. Halitech. How are you, sir? Good morning, AA. Good morning, Halitech Hall fans. Uh, we've uh, we've been having a, a little bit of problems with uh, Bears Twitter this week, uh, which we'll talk about. Uh, we're going to give you some final words on the Green Bay game, and then we're going to start looking ahead uh, to Denver and we're also going to take a look back at in history, which we always do on Halitech Hall. Uh, as everybody knows, this past week we have uh, remembered those who passed and perished in, in New York and, and at the Pentagon and in, in a field in Pennsylvania on the tragedy that was 9-11. As we're going to actually take a look at, at Bears history on games they've played on 9-11 since the league went to a 14-game season in 1961. You'll be surprised to know how few Bears games have actually been played on that date. So uh, without further ado, we want to thank our sponsors, TickSplits.com. TickSplits.com, any ticket, any venue, anywhere. Uh, and they gave away some tickets through our podcast. So we would like to congratulate Brennan McCann, who was drawn as the winner for the Detroit Lions game tickets on November 10th. So congratulations, Brennan. Uh, his Twitter handle is at BigBearBren, and uh, he's, he's been a good follower of ours for quite some time. And uh, we thank you for your support, so we hope you enjoy the game. And then secondly, uh, I think I even surprised my co-host Aaron with this one. Uh, we gave away a $50 gift card to the actual person who was our 500th follower earlier this week. And that lady's name is Tierra Hall uh, out of Harvey, Illinois. So congratulations to Brennan. Congratulations to Tierra. Thank you for supporting the hall. And uh, we're going to maybe give away even more tickets upcoming on some future events. But uh, we do have one other set of tickets we're going to be giving away. We're actually going to be drawing that name next Thursday. So you need to follow and listen to this podcast later on in the show. We're going to tell you exactly how you can enter to win tickets to the Minnesota Vikings game on September 29th. So uh, please follow along and you'll be uh, uh, getting that information here uh, in just a little bit. So Aaron, with that, um, 
Final words on Green Bay versus Chicago last Thursday. Ah, uh, well, I mean, it's uh, it was ugly. I mean, we talked about it. It it there's not you know other than the defense, there's not a lot good that you can take from it. Um, everybody's done a different analysis at this point. Some people are blaming Mitch. Some people are blaming Nagy. Some people are blaming the offensive line. It was all those things. They were all bad. Every, everyone, Mitch, the offensive line, Nagy's play calling, all bad, bad, bad. Um, at the end of the day, it was game one. It's on to the next game. Um, but you know, unfortunately, uh, it, it sparked quite a, a firestorm of panic and dismay and uh, Mitch uh, trashing and Nagy trashing. And I mean, some of it's just Twitter, but it's not, you know, it's not all just Twitter. Um, so it's pretty disappointing, I would say, the reaction of the fan base so far. I would think at this point, Bears fans would be a little bit more hardy and a little bit. Uh, tougher than to just climb up on the ledge after this game, even though it was um, very disappointing. Um, but I, I'm still, I'm still struck by just how quickly the fans in the stadium turned on Mitch and uh, turned on the offense to the point where, I mean, even uh, Weeder and Campbell, mentioned how during the last drive of the game when Mitch was driving the team down to possibly come back and tie it, it felt like nobody in the stadium believed that was going to happen and that they were just waiting for the inevitable outcome, which was disappointment. And that's just, I'm sorry, but that's just unacceptable as fans. We need to rally behind this guy, whether or not he's Mahomes or Watson has doesn't matter. It's he's our quarterback right now, and I just uh, you know we have a good team still, and I think we have every reason to believe that this season uh, is still going to be very successful. So you know it's on to week two and and a, and a game that they need to win, uh, and a game that they should win. Absolutely, you know, that last that last drive, not the last four plays where uh, they got the ball with about 40 seconds left, but the drive that that was this close to tying mm-hmm. the game, <laughs> right at the end of that drive, before the uh, ill-fated throw to Robinson in the left corner of the end zone, which I still think was pass interference on the defender, but I digress. Um, two plays that, that stood out. The pass, I believe it was uh, to Davis in the right corner. Uh, mm-hmm. It was inside the five. It yeah. was, you know, he, he had to, he, Trubisky had to throw it off his back foot uh, because he was being rushed. Um, and Davis was about to reach back and grab the ball. The defender never turned and he literally stuck out both arms and the ball hit his right hand and fell incomplete. We were that close to, to that being a catch, and either inside inside the two, uh, or even even gotten in the end zone for a touchdown. And then wasn't it Adam Shaheen that dropped an easy pass on the right sidelines that would have made it uh, third down and five? Yep, in, it was in, Adam Shaheen in, instead of third down and ten. Now. Yep. Um, I counted four drops in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, and I think two of them were actually erased by penalty. 
But Pro Football Reference only has Trubisky down for uh, only having one pass dropped on the day. But Cohen dropped one that was right between the two and the nine. Yeah. Uh, in the in the I believe it was the uh, second quarter, first quarter. And and uh, of course, the, there was a, a drop by Gabriel where mm-hmm. I believe that got wiped out by a penalty anyway. There was an actual drop by Robinson. Yep. That got wiped out by a penalty as well. So mm-hmm. you really can't hang those on the receivers because there was a holding and an illegal hands-to-the-face call on those. Uh, there was an absolutely boneheaded offensive pass interference committed by, by Gabriel, which uh, that's, the, that's the penalty that, that turned what was a first down and 10 into a first and 40. Yep. So, you know, the, the sloppiness was was there. The uh, lack of execution was there. And quite frankly, I, I got to hang some of this on, on Nagy, of course, because I thought his play calling was not up to his standards. Uh, but you got to hand it. You got to hand it to Green Bay's defense. Yep. You know, there was there's a lot of things. So so I did some research before the podcast and this is kind of interesting. Trubisky was sacked five times in the game. You know how many quarterbacks were sacked more often than Mitch Trubisky? One. Mm. One. The only quarterback that got sacked more than Trubisky was uh, Deshaun Watson out of Houston. And New Orleans sacked him six times. Uh, he was hurried in addition to being sacked seven times. He was hurried uh, seven times. And only four quarterbacks were hurried more. That was uh, Ben Roethlisberger, Jameis Winston, believe it or not, Tom Brady, and Kyler Murray. Those guys were were all sacked uh, 13, 11, 10 uh, and I'm sorry, Case Keenum was also set, uh, hurried nine times. Mm-hmm. So, so make that five quarterbacks that were hurried more often. Right. Uh, he was hit five times. So he was sacked five, hurried seven. He was hit an additional five more times, and only five quarterbacks in the league got hit uh, more often than Trubisky did. Right. You know, it, it was absolutely incredible. And last but not least, I don't ever recall Green Bay blitzing as much as they, they did uh, in Thursday night's game. Uh, Pro Football Reference has Mitch blitzed 17 times uh-huh. in, that, in that game Thursday night. And the only quarterback who was blitzed more often was Matt, Matthew Stafford. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's incredible that, and he was also, you know, he threw the same amount of attempts that Trubisky did. So that doesn't, of course, count, um, you know, dropbacks or dropbacks uh, or, or attempts. But, you know, you've got you've got the sacks as well. Mm-hmm. So so he and then how many times did he scramble? So he, he right. dropped he dropped back in passing formation at least 50 times. And he was yep. running for his life half half the day. One sack you can you can put on Mitch because he got out of the pocket, but he held onto the ball trying to get the ball downfield, and he he should have thrown the ball away to live to fight another down, but he ended up getting tackled. 
and you have to put that on him. So unfortunately, it was just you know a sad, sad showing on the Bears' defense. And you had drops, you had you had bad execution, you had poor line play. You know, Mitch overthrew a couple of people. Named the the play calling was you know the game plan. 15 rushes, 14 rushes versus 50 dropbacks. You just can't have that type of, of imbalance in the league today. All defenses, all defenses are, are at their most susceptible when they're facing a balanced offense. Period, end of discussion. I'll debate anybody till the day I die that when you can make an offense predictable and you can shut them down to, to just a single phase, which is what happened to the Bears on Thursday night. Defenses are going to have a field day. Absolutely. And you know what? Like, I think that they very much underestimated the the Green Bay defense. They, they are better. I don't think they're as good as what they showed, and I think the Vikings are probably going to expose them a little bit. But they, you know, the improvements that they made were good, and you had Amos who knows the – the Bears very well, and at the end of the day, I don't know if they uh, they had the greatest game plan for that. And then as it as it just became quicksand, unfortunately. Um, and then you're right. I mean, the offensive line was awful. Dame, Daniels was awful. Uh, Kyle Long, uh, that's one of the worst games I've ever seen him play. He got destroyed a few times. And Massey, and I mean, Whitehair was okay, but Massey and Leno were bad. It was just bad. I mean, everybody had a hand, and I don't know if the moment was too big or what it was, but they all just had a hand in in playing poorly. And and then you know when the cr- the crowd turns on you and it's quicksand, it's like they just couldn't get it get it going. That being said, as this is always a game of inches, you know there were still probably like four plays where if they had made them, if Robinson gets his feet down, if Gabriel doesn't jump and land out of bounds to catch that ball. If Cohen doesn't drop the first handoff of the game, maybe he goes 50 yards down the sideline. You know, there was a few things that, you know, could have really turned that game. Um, so I don't think that anybody should just despair about everything because I think, you know, the Packers also were bad. And, you know, they just made a couple more plays. I mean, at the end of the day, as bad as the Bears were, they, they only lost by a couple of plays. So it's on to it's on to Denver and we'll see. We'll see what happens. Absolutely. I want to focus uh, back in on that very first play from scrimmage. And in the postgame interview, Nagy said that that play was blocked perfectly. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, you know, sitting in the stands, uh, you you don't pay attention. You're you're watching the ball. So I went back and I watched the the play on on NFL Game Time, and Nagy was right. When you take a look at the All 22 film, the coaches film on that play, uh, they had a guy sealed to the outside. They had the the defensive line sealed to the inside. Everybody was blocked except for the safety. So all Cohen had to do was get past that safety, and he was gone. I mean, the safety wouldn't have even gotten close to him until Cohen was 10 yards down the field. And if if he jukes that safety, he's gone. It's a touchdown. And the whole outcome of the game might be different. 
So mm -hmm. my question to Nagy is, why didn't we run that play again? I don't know. Uh, why, why? Why did Why did Montgomery look good and then he doesn't go back to him? Why didn't we run the ball? I don't know. It's so unbelievable. You know, the um, we we heard a ton of talk during during summer camp about running plays that Trubisky feels good about and, and plays that Helfrich feels good about and plays that that Nagy feels good about. And I want to go back to the Tampa game last year. I'm sure everybody remembers that because Trubisky threw for six touchdown passes. And one of the plays that was so effective, it was probably run four or five times. And quite frankly, I don't think I've seen that play run more than once ever since that. And it's a simple formation where there's, there's trips, receivers to one side, and in this particular game, it seemed to work all too well when there were three wide receivers to the right. The two outside re receivers ran deep post patterns. The inside receiver ran a wheel route behind those two receivers running the long post patterns, and he was wide open. That's the, the same pass that, that Trey Burton scored his 40-yard touchdown on, and there were a couple of other long plays on that. Uh, one of which was was uh, Cohen right towards the goal line. I don't think he got in, but I haven't seen that play. Where is that play in the Bears playbook? It seems so obvious, but and they've got the talent to run that play over and over and over again. Yeah, I don't and, know. And if that play is a play that was so successful, they ran it four times minimum against Tampa. Mm -hmm. Why haven't we seen that? I don't think we've seen it four times since that Tampa game. Right. Well, I mean, as long as much as I don't want to panic, it it is it is unfortunately becoming a troubling trend that basically since the 11th week of the season, this offense has not looked very good. I mean, it really hasn't. If you take away the fourth quarter of the Eagles game, it's been pretty suspect. And I don't, you know, people talk about Mitch's development. How much is Matt Nagy developing as a play caller? You That's know, a good point. That's I an don't excellent know. point. I don't know how much he's developing. I would say that overall, they're not scoring more points. Um, and so, they, you know, and they use 32 different personnel packages in the game against the Packers. And to what? I mean, it just caused delay of game. I mean, he just made, you know, that fourth and 10 is inexcusable. Putting Patterson in the backfield on third and one is inexcusable. Um, taking a delay of game and saying you didn't want to waste a penalty is inexcusable. I mean, there, you know, it, it's not on, it, it, it's not all on Mitch. It's also on Nagy. And I just think, you know, hopefully he, he takes a step back and not that necessarily that they simplify things, but that they, you know, kind of figure out that you have to sometimes you have to have some balance and you have to force the balance i mean you know the the texans were still running the ball you know all the teams that ran the ball less than 21 times last week lost all of them <laughs> and so you know there's not a coincidence to that you know, uh, running the ball is still important. I don't care how pass happy this league is and how how protected the quarterbacks are. If you don't run the ball and you don't force the defense to play you straight up, you're not going to win. 
I mean, unless you have Mahomes or Brady, but even the Chiefs, the Chiefs still ran the ball. <laughs> like They didn't necessarily need to. Mahomes had 300 yards in the first half, but they still, from time to time, would just hand the damn ball off to make the defense think about it. And, and Tom Waddle said, you know, you've got to get them to get their little guys off the field so that your little guys can beat the big guys when they come on the field. And they sat back in this, you know, dime and nickel all day and, you know, just waited, waited for them to, you know, just screw up. And they did. So, oh, well, it is what it is. Hopefully we do better this upcoming week. I think we will. Well, speaking of this upcoming week, the Bears are going to venture into Denver. um, And I hate to play general manager. I hate to play head coach because ultimately none of us are qualified to be those people. But uh, one of the things that Nagy said in his press conference yesterday, quite frankly, does disturb me. And that was... uh, Worrying about the altitude is on the bottom of his priorities. And I'm sorry, guys, if you're going to go into the altitude, uh, I'm just glad we're going in the second game of the year and not the last game of the year because it does have an effect on your play. Uh, I wish the Bears would be traveling out after practice today to get one extra day of of acclimation into that altitude. the Bears have never played well in Denver. Repeat that. Never played well in Denver. Have they won out in Denver? Sure, they have, but not very often. They haven't played that many games in Denver in the history of the, the meetings, but they've never played well in Denver, and I don't expect them to play well this week, but hopefully they'll play well enough to win. Uh, Khalil Mack hasn't played well uh, in in Denver in the five games as he's been out there. He had he did have one great game. I believe he had five. He himself had five sacks in one game. But the the two times that they played, that Oakland played out in Denver uh, towards the end of the season, he was a non-factor. One one note on that because um, I did I did see that about the Khalil Max games. Two of those games were uh, towards the end, I think week 14, week 16, where the the Oakland Raiders were out of contention. So there may be something to that. But you're right. I mean, it's it's. I mean, the the Bears have only played the Broncos 15 times. The last time they played in Denver was 2011, and the the Bears w- lost <laughs> uh, 13 to 10 in overtime. And then previous to that, it was 2003, and the Bears won 19 to 10. But almost every game, save a few, it, you know, I mean, I'm not going to go back to to pre, you know, 1990 really here has been low scoring. I mean, you got, you know, 17 to 12, 13 to three, it, just even in Chicago, it's just something about the Bears and Broncos when they get together. It is not a scoring fest. Um, so I, the, I agree with you about going out there early, although I will say that I feel like not a lot of teams are doing that anymore for whatever reason. And I don't know if they are just, you know, just not doing it. It may be a cost thing. It may be that they figured out a better way to get around it. 
Um, but I was, you know, with this long week, I really thought, why wouldn't you go out there? Because the other thing, and it may be a fluke, but Denver is phenomenal in week one and two at home. I mean, they're like 49 and seven all time or something ridiculous. And in just in week two in September, they're even, it's even crazier. I think they've only lost once in week two of the season at home. So it's, it's going to be warm. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be what it's going to be altitude wise. Hopefully Danny Trevathan can give them some tips or something, um, you know, about that. Um, it's just, uh, it's a factor. And, and, it, and again, I feel like it's a little bit of a PR misstep to, to act like, oh, that's at the bottom of our list. It's like, okay, well, that may be true, but to say that just kind of opens yourself up. You know, it's like they didn't care about the heat in Miami last year, and look what happened. They didn't, they, you know, oh, it wasn't a factor. It's like, well, actually, it's a factor for every team that goes there, just like the altitude. So we'll yeah, see. Bears, I, hope we're, I hope we're not talking about it more. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, Bears, the Bears' defense was dominant down in Miami, and then the, the weather just beat the hell out of them. You're absolutely right, and and that um, that is as much of a factor of losing that game as uh, Parky's missed field goal later yep. in in the game. So um, it is what it is. If they're not going to pay attention to it, it gives us something to complain about. If they do lose, uh, if they play poorly, and we can say we told you so. Yeah. But. Hopefully, it'll be a little bit of a better outcome uh, this Sunday. Uh, the keys to the game, you've got a very immobile quarterback playing for Denver. You've got a, a defensive tackle. Their best defensive tackle isn't going to play in the game. Uh, Oakland seemed to neutralize uh, the vaunted pass rush that is uh, – Chubb and Vaughn, and one of the things that we tended to criticize uh, our former defensive coordinator was putting those stud pass rushers in coverage, and true to his word, uh, Fangio had uh, those guys in coverage a couple of times, uh, and they can't keep up with the fast running backs. So I I think you're going to see a big day from Cohen uh, coming out of the coming out of the backfield in uh, in manning up against their linebacking crew. I think you're going to see a really big game out of him. I think you're going to see uh, I think you're going to see Montgomery have a, a big day running between the tackles because although they didn't run a lot and in Oakland only gave up what I think I told you it was like 3.1 yards per carry or 3.5 yards per carry. The holes were there, and Montgomery has a tendency to break more tackles than the running backs that are that are on Oakland. So I think you're going to see, if they're going to win, they're going to run the ball at least 25 times. Montgomery is going to play a significant role, and I think you're going to see Cohen have a big role out of the backfield. Yeah, I, I hope they let Cohen back in the backfield. I mean, apparently Cohen is a wide receiver now the way they used him in this game after he dropped that uh, handoff or that little pitch. I don't think he got another 
straight up run carry in the game, maybe one. Um, yeah, <laughs> one it, it more. Was, it was it was one. He had one carry uh, in the entire game. You know, and, and I I hate to I think obviously Trubisky was was hyped up going into this game, and, and I hate to put this on on Mitch, but when you take a look at that ill-fated fumble that Cohen had, you know. That ball was was off the mark. It hit him mm. up in his shoulder. It didn't hit him in his in his gut where his hands are. Right. And it was it happened so quickly that Cohen couldn't adjust to the ball. Yeah. Uh, obviously he's professional. He needs to he needs to grab that. But it is what it is. It was yeah. not. It was the ball wasn't placed where it should have been, and it came out like a rocket out of Trubisky's right. hands. So uh, again. Only one rush by Cohen. Why they didn't try to run, even if they don't do the exact same uh, formation, because they, you know, they they actually had Cohen behind center, mm-hmm. and they shifted to the right because Trubisky was to Cohen's left. They mm-hmm. all shifted to the right to put Trubisky back in behind the quarterback, right. and the, I think it was was it Davis. That was yep. the third running back, and he went over mm-hmm. in toward, towards the right slot. Right. Well, it was it, another. It was another T. It, it was another T formation, I think. Right. With all sorts of re- motion. With all, yeah, it was like a motion, but with a bunch of motion and window dressing, but similar with the three yeah. back, three backs. Yeah. So I mean, we could talk about that one play for an hour. Yeah. But. We'll have to, and we'll have to end the show. But. <laughs> well, so back to Denver, though. I mean, I think I was pleasantly surprised, I guess, how bad Denver looked. Um, but I will say that their offense was still pretty decent. Um, they just didn't score. I mean, Cortland Sutton had a good game. Manuel Sanders had a good game. Flacco threw, you know, Flacco can still throw the deep ball if he gets time. Uh, he had a 53-yard uh, connection with Sutton and a 30-yard connection with um, Sanders. Um, you know, they, they split carries between the backs, Freeman and uh, – I can't remember the other kid's name right now. Um, Lindsey, Patrick Lindsey, and those guys had decent production. Um, again, you know, the Bears should should get good pass rush. They should be able to get to Flacco. I think Mac is going to – um, cause a fumble from Flacco in this game. Uh, he's there. They are, they are uh, the pack. Uh, the Broncos are starting a uh, UDFA right tackle um, this game. So that's going to be an advantage bears. Um, you know, the Emmanuel Sanders and, and, and Fuller have a history from the joint practice from last year of uh, not being the best of friends. So that should be something to watch. And, um, Noah Fant had a decent game at tight end for them. So it was, it, you know, the I think the Raiders looked better than people thought they would. Um, you know, Carr was extremely efficient. Uh, Tyro Williams, you know, got, got open. Um, they were able to neutralize Chubb and Von Miller um, with quick passes and uh, sort of chipping them. Um, Because I would say what the Broncos' defense lacks is they don't have anybody up the middle uh, in the defensive line, and their linebackers are not great. Their secondary is okay. Uh, Bryce Callahan's not going to play. 
Um, he's injured, as Bears fans well know. That's normally his uh, state of being. And, it, you know, it, it, just a side note, it's another, you know, good choice by uh, Ryan Pace a la Cam Meredith and so forth to let this guy go um, because here he is not playing and the Broncos are without a slot corner or they're out looking for one. Um so, you know, on paper, again, this, you know, that the Bears have have the advantage. I mean, they're I think they're the better defensive team. And on paper, they should be the better offensive team. But it's just, you know, the game's not played on paper. I mean, you got I'm getting tired of these fans talking about how on paper the Bears were a Super Bowl team. That doesn't mean anything <laughs> like that does not make any sense why anybody would say that is crazy like sure are they a contender yeah that's fine but to say on paper this is a super bowl team doesn't mean anything so everybody just needs to take a step back and you know play it let it play out um but i mean i feel i feel better i feel better about this game now in a strange way than I did before the season. I had th- sort of thought we would win the Green Bay game and then I was worried about the Bronco game, but I feel like they're going to rally. You know, if the Bears can be 3 and 1 after, you know, and I know we've always talked about quarters of seasons, and if the Bears can can kick back, you know, and win this game, go to Washington, which on paper <laughs> looks like it could be a winning, uh, a winnable game. And then, of course, the big game then is the Minnesota Vikings game on the 29th of September before they go to London. Uh, they're 3-1, and one, and uh, who knows what can happen from there. But this is a must-win. I don't think Minnesota and Green Bay in Week 2 up in Green Bay is they're going to play to a tie again like they did last year. So that means if the Bears lose this game, they're two games behind a division opponent going into week three with Minnesota coming up in week four. So as as much as I hate to say it, uh, this is a must win for the Bears. This is a must win. The game in Washington is a must win because it's a conference game. It's also a primetime game, which means uh, if we have another poor showing on offense in front of a national offense or national audience. Uh, you know what's going to hit the fan and, and the Bears, uh, the, the people that are not true Bears fans, but the bandwagoners are going to be jumping off in hordes. But we want you to come back on the train, guys. We talked a little bit about uh, how often Trubisky was blitzed last week. Conversely, if you take the amount of time that Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, and Joe Flacco were blitzed, they were only blitzed one more time combined than Trubisky was last Thursday. Both Derek Carr and Flacco were only blitzed five times, and the Bears only blitzed Aaron Rodgers eight times. Now, Aaron Rodgers kills the blitz. So I understand that we didn't blitz as often as this team under Pagano will probably blitz. So I I expect to see a lot more blitzing, quite frankly, this Sunday against a team that 
Yeah, they're they're like we said, we we have diminished athletes at the at the tackle spot. Where Green Bay has two All Pro tackles on either side, you've got a, an unrestricted free agent uh, that's going to be going up against our edge rushers. So I kind of expect to see some blitzes this week, a lot, at least a few more than what we saw against Green Bay. Yeah, definitely. I tend to believe that. Um, I think. Uh... I mean, I think the defense is going to play a big role. I think the defense is, is going to cause some turnovers. I think the defense is going to possibly and probably score. I look for them to. I mean, I think they're going to need to. I don't – I'm not predicting a, a like a massive offensive explosion from this team simply because Vic is too smart and is going to know what the Bears are going to do, you know, too much for that. But I, you know – I just want to see them play smart, be better on third down, play good situational football. And I do think this is going to be a game, and it should be a game, where Pinheiro gets a chance. You know, one thing we didn't talk about was how Tabor and Nagy basically gave Pinheiro a zero confidence vote by not letting him kick a 51-yarder on probably the most perfect night for kicking in Soldier Field history. (laughs) It, It was just pristine weather into the south end zone, I don't understand that. But I think, I hope, at least Nagy mentioned that about the altitude when they asked him about it. Well, you can kick farther. So hopefully uh, Mr. Tabor, who I don't like, (laughs) is going to come up with a little bit higher number than his 51 yards for Pinheiro because, I mean, what's the point of having this kid if you're not even going to use him, I mean, you see what a weapon some of these kickers are and were this past weekend, Lunt and Zerline. And, but you also see on the converse, um, you know, Adam Vinatieri lost that game for the Colts. <laughs> like, so that's, you know, probably the, one of the greatest kickers in NFL history. And he lost that game for the Colts. So, you know, kicker woes are still out there. The Kari Vedvik that everybody loved is not on the Jets anymore. Um, you know, you had uh, uh, the Houston kicker miss an extra point to in a tight game and got bailed out by a penalty. I mean, you know, that that was they, – they were going to go up and he misses an extra point in that situation and luckily got run into. So, you know, we're not um, – I don't know. All of a sudden, the Bears kicking situation doesn't seem so terrible, um, you know, and hopefully playing up in that thin air, the uh, Pinero can show up. The kicker for Denver missed a 64-yard field goal right at the end of the first half, I believe. And obviously, they're kicking at sea level, being in Oakland. So mm-hmm. that, 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 that kick's probably good from 70 in Denver. Yeah. So there's no doubt that, that – Denver's kicker's got a strong leg. I was going to mention Bedvik, but you did. Uh, he lost the game for the Jets because, yep. you know, they lost the they lost by one point. They got a field goal that was missed. They had an extra point that was missed, and there's the game. Yep. We mentioned we mentioned the Houston the Houston kicker. Uh, what a crazy finish that game was. I, Unbelievable! I don't know. What a game. You know, it was uh, probably the most incredible game of the entire weekend. Mm-hmm. So, I hate to make predictions. I, I seldom make predictions in a game. I do expect the Bears to win. Uh, 
Offensive outburst. You mentioned you don't think that the Bears are going to have an offensive outburst. I would like nothing more than to see an offensive outburst from the Bears this week. Oh, I week. would love it. I just don't you I know, can't I can't predict it. <laughs> you know, if you know they've got they've got the receivers that are shifty enough that can avoid tackles. Uh, Denver allowed 108 yards of runs or yards after a receiver caught the ball uh, on Monday night. Uh, Bears had only 98 yards against the Packers in run after yards after catch. So I think they're going to, I hope, and they, they just definitely need to exploit the middle of the field because Denver just doesn't have the linebacking speed to keep up with our little guys. And I don't, I, I won't be surprised if you see Gabriel Cohen and Montgomery all on the field at the same time this week. At least I hope to God that we see that. Uh, Rashard Coward, by the way, was back at practice yesterday. Uh, I believe that Trey Burton was still listed as limited participation on the injury report yesterday, but they said he was he looked better than he did last week. So there might be a chance that we see Trey Burton, and Trey Burton can just exploit the middle of that field uh, if uh, if he's healthy and can play on Sunday. Yeah, they miss Trey Burton a lot. And Shaheen played terrible. Broniker didn't do anything. So they need they need Burton back. Uh, they also picked up a tight end. They waved Abdullah Anderson, and they picked up a tight end who was a UDFA from Washington. I can't even remember the guy's name right now. Um, but he's just another guy, I guess. I don't know. Um, but, you know but that leads you to believe. Uh, you may know, have looked it up more than I did. leads you to believe that there's some – growing concern as everybody's been talking about all off season amongst the, the fan base that the tight end group is, is, is shaky. Uh, soul did not play well either. I don't, I, you know, I, I think at some point we may look back at that and go, why did we have him lose all that weight? He should be, you know, it's like you can switch him to tight end, but make him a big blocking tight end. Don't make him, you know, don't make him think that he's going to, catch passes because I just don't think that's realistic and he looked he had some some bad missed blocks as well so I I hope to God Burton plays I mean they need him they really do I think we can agree on that one for sure double a um, one thing that happened uh, there was another roster move that happened and uh, the uh, the kid the tight end um, that everybody loved was a free agent who was put on the practice. Or he actually was on injured reserve, I believe. Uh, they actually gave him an injury settlement and released him. Uh, one thing that confuses me about this, this free agent pickup that the Bears just did is this guy looks like an absolute clone to the guy that everybody loved, uh, Jesper Horstead. Uh, during the preseason, uh, they're both six foot three. Uh, Horstead is like 237 pounds. The new kid that they picked up is 255 pounds. Uh, his name is JP Holtz. Uh, he's a one year guy out of Pittsburgh. So he played a lot on special teams in week one for, for the Redskins. 
but I just I don't get the move. If if Horstead is is a clone to this guy, is he any better than Horstead that deserves a roster spot over Chesper? So that's a little bit of confusing on my part. But the one thing that I'm not going to do is is doubt Pace. He's proven himself to be really good with free agent pickups, uh, with undrafted free agents, with late round draft picks. Uh, he had a tough go early in his career trying to sign higher name draft uh, or free agents, quite frankly, because people didn't want to come here. Players didn't want to come here. They signed for less money than go- with other teams than coming to Chicago, and the record bore out that fruit. Now free agents are taking less money to come to Chicago, which is, you know, haha, Clinton Dix is a perfect example of that. So uh, well done, uh, Mr. Pace. Uh, I just don't see the move, but again, I'm not, a, I'm not, and I will never claim to be a general manager or a personnel manager in the NFL. I'm just not qualified to do it. Yeah. The armchair GM position is, uh, is full. <laughs> Everybody's, everybody is one right now. There's, um, there's thousands of GM wannabes out in Twitter, Bears Twitter. So, uh, yeah. Coach wannabes too. (laughs) Yeah, I choose not to be one of those. Just let me be. Let me be a fan. Yep. Uh, Speaking of being a fan, uh, one of the things that we always do here is talk about Bears history. Uh, We're going to get to that in the second half of the show, but uh, it's now time to tell you how you can uh, win tickets to the Minnesota game. You only have one more week to uh, enter the drawing, and it's as simple as sending three sentences in an email. All you need to do is go to your email, send an email to halitechhall at gmail.com. I'll post the email address on our Twitter feed uh, after we get done taping this show. In the subject line, all you got to do is type Bears Tickets. And then in the body of the email, all we need is your social media handle, your Twitter handle, at Sambo, at John, at at BearsFanForever. We need your full name, of course, as well. Uh, Emails are required because you have to be able to download your tickets via email. So those tickets are complement of TickSplits.com. So again... All you have to do is send an email to halitechhall at gmail.com in the subject line. Just type Bears tickets and then in the body of the email. You can say whatever you want. Hopefully you're loving the show, so tell us that. If you have any questions that you want us to answer during one of our podcasts, you can throw that in there. But we definitely need both your Twitter handle or or social media uh, handle and your full name. And we were going to be announcing the winner of those tickets right here on the next podcast of Halitech Hall. We will be taping that episode on Thursday, September 19th. So uh, give a listen. And then once uh, once the episode has been uh, made available on podcasts and YouTube and, and Apple Podcasts, uh, about an hour after that, we'll 
actually put the winner out on our Twitter feed. So with that, we're going to pause for a minute from, for a, a word from our sponsor, Tick Splits. And then when we come back, we're going to go over Bears history like we always do on every podcast. So we'll be right back, folks. So you're looking for great ticket deals. Who isn't? Well, TixBlitz.com has you covered. From the biggest sporting events to Broadway shows and concerts, TixBlitz.com has the best ticket selection at the very best prices out there and no service fees. So the price you see is the price you pay. Plus, TixBlitz.com donates up to 25% of their proceeds to charity. TixBlitz.com has the tickets you want when you want them. Go to T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com today. That's TixBlitz.com. Every ticket, every venue everywhere all right welcome back folks thanks to ticksplits.com of course you can go online and use the promo code tailgate t-a-i-l-g-a-t-e all caps and you can get five percent off your ticket order ticksplits has all the tickets that you can want for every event not just sporting uh and it has a, a very, very easy site to use. I think that's one of the best benefits of TickSplits, uh, in addition to the others, is that uh, it's really quick. Uh, the other sites, when you go on the uh, using your phone, they can be kind of clunky, and you don't really get to the tickets that you want very easily. TickSplits, it just goes right to them, makes it very quick, and you can get to any tickets you need. So moving on, Mr. Halitech, what do we got? September 11th is ingrained in in our recent history as a very tragic event, and we salute those who saved lives uh, on this tragic event from uh, from uh, 9/11. And it's just it just it just to this day is still so hard to talk about. Um, the Bears have not played very often on September 11th. And we're going to go over some of the games that they have played since the 1961 season. Prior to 1961, the league only had a 12-game season, believe it or not. You know, Now that we're playing 16 games and talking about going to an 18-game schedule, uh, the Bears only played 14 games from 1961 until 1977, the, eight, the 16-game season's uh, did not start until the 78 year. Uh, the Bears have only played like six or seven games on 9-11. Uh, and one of the, the reasons why was, uh, and this is one exception, in 1966, uh, the Bears played uh, in Detroit. Uh, but during the stretch of time when the Bears and the, the league were only playing 14 games, the, the first game of the year was rarely in early September. It was usually on the third Sunday of September. Uh, the Bears always played most of their games in September uh, on the road. They played sometimes three straight, sometimes even four straight games on the road. And that, of course, is because they played at Wrigley Field uh, during that stretch of time. And, of course, Wrigley Field is the home of the Cubs, and the Cubs didn't want them tearing up the field, and rightfully so. Uh, we'll just look at the other night, how the field in Oakland got torn up. And the, now the, the Oakland A's have to play on an outfield that's just going to be rutted by, by divots caused by the spike marks from 300-pound players beating on each other. 
1966, the Bears played. It was a September 11th game. They played at Old Tiger Stadium back in Detroit. So this is way before the Pontiac Silver Dome and Ford Field and and the new Tiger Stadium. Uh, wasn't a very good out, outing for the the Bears. The Bears quarterback at that time was Rudy Bukic. Uh, he was only 15 of 27 for 120 yards and two interceptions. Uh, Mill Plum, uh, there's a name in history. He wasn't any better. He was 7 of 15 for 92 yards, but he did have one touchdown pass, and he was intercepted one time. Uh, our leading receiver was, hold on one second, our leading receiver was Johnny Morris. He had five grabs for 49 yards. Uh, Dick Gordon uh, only played, uh, only had one reception for six yards. Mike Ditka only had one reception for five yards. So talking about misusing tight ends, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a past history of that. Uh, Gail Sayers only great, took the ball 17 times for 79 yards, and he had, he had two grabs for eight yards in the game. Uh, Dick Butkus uh, was also part of that, that team. Uh, but it was just overall just, just a poor, poor outing for the Bears, and they ended up losing that game. The Bears actually started uh, off – uh, scoring first on a 38-yard field goal in the first quarter. And then Detroit scored two touchdowns on a six-yard run. And a uh, and Pat Studstill, there's a name from the past, uh, got a 25-yard pass from Milt Plum uh, in this, both scores in the second quarter uh, to uh, take a lead into halftime at 14-3. to And that's the way the game ended. So, um that didn't get the Bears off to a good start on, on 9-11. Uh, did you get a chance to, to take a look at any of the games, Aaron, that I'm going to be talking about? I did not, um, but I will. I did come up with this one sort of interesting game, which was almost on 9-11. Uh, it, it was the, the Broncos at the Bears uh, September 9th, 1984, um, and uh, – the Bears won 27 to nothing, and Walter Payton had 179 yards on 20 carries. Um, Didn't he have a 72-yard touchdown run in that he, in that game? Absolutely correct. Uh, and what's I think most bizarre about this game is that between the two quarterbacks, Avellini and McMahon, they only threw the ball 17 times, uh, <laughs> but McMahon managed to throw a touchdown. Um, which is kind of funny, uh, but the but just the and then there was one uh, I, I, I maybe this was it you probably remember more than me but Willie Galt had a 61 yard touchdown reception so that may have oh it was McMahon to Galt who was the touchdown 61 yards so you had a, a 72 yard touchdown run by Walter Payton a 61 yard touchdown reception by Willie Galt and that's basically the ball game <laughs> the Bears defense. Uh, just shut them down. And then the other sort of note about 2011, which is that I was at the game that originally was scheduled on 2011 in 2001, which was the Jaguars game. So it was supposed to be the Jaguars at Soldier Field. Um, And 
So what's funny is, you know, this is back in the days of paper tickets, you know, um, you, you know, the season, the season tickets say September 11th on them. Yeah. So, um, you had, and, and of course that was the game when the bears uh, clinched a division, the, the Keith trailer interception and return for 63 yards, um, you know, old soldier field, uh, just a, just a great game, great memory, um, for me. And just, you know, it was nice to, to be out, <laughs> you know, um, and to, to, I, 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 I don't think I've ever been at a stadium with more excitement about one moment than the Keith trailer interception and return. That, that, that was just crazy. I was at home watching it. Um, I was actually at the, the home game preceding that one because that mm-hmm. was supposed to be the last regular season game at Soldier Field. And I was there for a particular reason. Uh, when I was 13 years old, the Bears played Green Bay at Old Wrigley Field. And that was the last regular season game the last game the Bears ever played at Wrigley Field. Um, My youngest son, Adam, who I hope is listening to this, he lives up in Evanston, not far from you. He was 13 in 2001. So I got tickets for that Tampa game so he could be at the last regularly scheduled game at Soldier Field before they tore it down to build the new Soldier Field. So... Uh, that just falls under the category of best laid plans. But uh, not only not only did the Jacksonville game between, become the last regular season game, they made the playoffs that year. And so their playoff game against Philadelphia happened to be the very last game played at Soldier Field, at the old Soldier Field, before they, they tore it down and turned it into what is Soldier Field today. So great memories, Aaron. Appreciate that. Uh, yep. the, the year before that, 1983, the Bears played on, on 9-11, uh, and they played Tampa. Uh, even though this is, you know, this is the time where the Bears really started to, to kind of lay the groundwork to what would have been and what is the, the greatest team ever to play uh, a single year, the 1985 Bears, uh, they played Tampa in the old popsicle or the dreamsicle uniforms that were the Tampa Bay uh, uniforms back then. John McKay uh, was the coach. Uh, John McKay had one of the greatest lines when they finished 0-14, and, and at the end of one of the games later in the season, somebody asked him in the press, he said, what do you think about the team's execution? And Paquet looked at him straight forward and said, I'm in favor of it. <laughs> but, That's good. Um, Walter Payton had a 73-yard pass reception from none other than Jim McMahon. And Bob Thomas had a 50-yard field goal. Uh, the game was tied in the fourth quarter. And Bears uh, defensive back Terry Schmidt intercepted a pass and took it uh, 32 yards for a score to to ice that game. The Bears ended up winning that game 17 to 10. Uh, wasn't a very stellar outing for, for either team offensively. Uh, the Bears uh, had 286 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions passing. Uh, Tampa had 277 yards, no TDs, and one interception. 
the Bears were sacked four times. Tampa was only sacked two times. Uh, total yardage, 347 for Tampa, 358 for Chicago. Uh, Tampa fumbled the ball three times and lost one. And if the Bears fumbled the ball twice and lost one. So the turnovers were close. The Bears lost the ball three times. Tampa lost it twice. And ultimately, the Bears ended up winning that game. Uh, the next time they played on 9-11 was in 1988. 1988 was the year after Walter Payton retired. 1988 was also the year they, they made it to the, the conference championship game and got beat by San Francisco. But on this day, the Bears were uh, the Bears were 2-0 going into this game. The Indianapolis Colts were 0-2 going into the game. Sounds like a mismatch, but uh, the Bears squeaked by this game, 17-13. Uh, Dennis Gentry uh, grabbed a 35-yard pass from Jim McMahon just to open the scoring. Uh, they increased the lead to 10-6 uh, after two Colts field goals. Uh, Kevin Butler hit a 40-yarder. Uh, the Colts, Eric Dickerson, this is after Dickerson had been playing for the Rams, uh, he got traded to, it was a traded or a free agency, I can't remember. But Eric Dickerson had a 12-yard run that actually took the lead 13-10 to 10 in the fourth quarter. And then Matt Suey had a two-yard run, and Butler kicked the extra point, and the Bears ended up uh, winning 17-3. to 3. If you looked at the stat sheet, it doesn't look like the game should be as close as it, it was. Chicago rattled off 23 first downs in the game, where the Colts only had 11. But ultimately, uh, which has been the MO of the Bears for decades, offensively, they just don't score a lot of points most often. And they had to end up squeaking by that game uh, in 1988. The Bears didn't play again uh, on 9-11 until... Uh, 1995. 1995 was was a goofy year for the Bears. I believe they finished nine and seven that year, but they lost twice to Green Bay. Uh, they won. They lost once in Green Bay in a, what was a, a just a duel, uh, a shootout between Eric Kramer and Brett Favre, where Brett Favre threw five touchdown passes. Kramer almost got him back. He threw four touchdown passes in that game. And the Bears lost, but this game uh, was at Soldier Field. Um, Packers opened up a 21 to nothing lead. Uh, the Bears were able to uh, cut it to 27 to 21 in the fourth quarter when Prashan Salah had an eight-yard rush, and then the the Kevin Butler kicked a field goal to make the the final score 27 to 24. Uh, so that was right in the middle of the, the the beginning of the Brett Favre era of dominance over over uh, the Bears. In 2005, the Bears were playing Week One against Washington. Uh, you'll remember, you probably even remember this game, Aaron. This was uh, just a slog fest. Week One, the Bears had a. a a seven to six lead, and then John Hall kicked a field goal to make it nine to seven with three minutes left to go in the third quarter. And Washington held on to win that game. But 
that game was just an ugly, ugly game. Kyle Orton was the Bears quarterback that year. And if you recall, they went on to be rather successful in 2005, ended up making the playoffs only to be ousted by Carolina that year. Do you remember any of that game? I don't have strong memories of that Washington game, no. Um, I, I do remember, of course, you know, the, uh, the season, but I don't I, – that one did not stick in my brain, which sounds like maybe it wasn't the worst thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that would that would be a good game to forget. Unfortunately, I've, I've got a memory that just won't let go of stuff. But uh, <laughs> uh, So it's a, it's, uh, sometimes it's a blessing – uh, sometimes it's a curse. And in fact, uh, the 2005 game against Washington, I didn't get a chance to see live. I was actually following it on CBSSports.com, and it was just just a brutal game to, to sit through and, and watch this game just drag on and on and on. Uh, and uh, this game, if you might remember this, this is, I believe the, the, the game was in 2005, and the, as, you, as we just got done talking about it, it was a pretty, pretty brutal game. And then um, I think right after that, I'm gonna, and I'm going to go and look it up. So um, and that was in 2005. So 2005, the Bears finished 11 and five that year under under Kyle Orton, and they went on a, a quite a winning streak during the middle of the year. But the Bears played. They played. Um, they beat Detroit. Then they they got beat by Cincinnati. Then they were at Cleveland. Uh, and they lost that game 20 to 10, and that was the game that that Mike Brown just slammed the team. And and right after that, they just went on a tear, and they went they won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games in a row to be nine and three before they ended up finishing 11 and five that year. And then they got beat in the playoffs by Carolina again in Chicago, 29 to 21. So. Uh, you know, they started off slow, which kind of bodes well for if you take a look at the Bears in 2019, we started slow. But as you can see, um, you know, all it takes is a couple of bounces going the right way. And all of a sudden you're right back in the, the thick of things. So uh, that was 19 or 2005. And the Bears have played two games on 9-11 since. Uh, they played uh, in week two. They played Atlanta. They played them at Soldier Field. This was the best game the Bears have ever played on 9-11. They, uh, uh, it was a one-sided victory, 30-12. to uh, I believe that uh, Matt Speed caught a pass from Jay Cutler. Robbie Gold had one, two, three field goals. Um, the Falcons' only touchdown was on an interception return of 50 yards with uh, late in the fourth quarter, and uh, they missed the extra point. So uh, the Bears uh, actually got out first down by Atlanta. The Bears only had 17 first downs. 
They only had 88 yards rushing. Atlanta had 14 first downs. Uh, but ultimately, it was a one-sided affair on the, on the scoreboard. And then just three years ago, Yeah, uh, well, it's it's interesting to look back. I mean, obviously, and, you know, these dates uh, stick out in our mind for different reasons. And, of course, that's one that uh, I think everybody would rather uh, that was not <laughs> something that we thought about every year. But it's uh, it's a moment in, in our in our country's history. Um, and, uh, you know, it's 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 good to bring it uh, to uh, relevance within uh, football as well. Um you know, and of course, anytime the games games are played on that date, you have a, a lot of tributes and um, so on and so forth. Uh, sports uh, was was instrumental, I think, in uh, repairing uh, the the country's psyche um, at that time. I, I think everybody remembers George Bush throwing the the first pitch out at Yankee Stadium and. Um, the you flag, know. the flag from the World Trade Center that they they flew right. in the outfield at Yankee Stadium during that game, right. uh, just you know, yeah, it brings back chills. Uh, mm-hmm. There was one other uh, game that the Bears played. It was John Fox's, I believe, second year as head coach. It was uh, uh, in Houston, and I, I remember this game for so many reasons because the Bears. This was another game that the Bears should have won, uh, but they didn't get enough scoring. They were ahead 14 to 13. Uh, they were actually ahead 14 to 10, uh, and then Houston scored the last 13 points while the Bears were shut out in the second half, and just looked pathetic doing so. And I happened to be sitting watching that game uh, at a at a relative's house, and just about. Everybody in that freaking building were, were Packers fans. So I was getting grief on all sides uh, for that for that particular game. But uh, uh, it's it is poignant. Uh, it was a good exercise to go back and, and look at some of these games uh, because this is what we do on Halitech Hall. We take a look back at, at historical events and historic games and even though for the most part the games that we just talked about there's not a lot of history in the Bears franchise but it's nice to go back and reflect on what has transpired on 9-11 before during and after the tragedy that was uh, 9-11 back in 2001 so uh, Aaron uh, we've got a contest we still running man Let's talk about that. Yeah, um, we are still giving away more tickets. Um, I don't know how many other podcasts are giving away actual Bears tickets, but not many. Um, We are. And so you, as listeners of this podcast, have the exclusive opportunity to get in on the drawing. Uh, All you have to do is email us at Halitech Hall, H-A-L-A-T-E-K-H-A-L-L at gmail.com and send us your information. Send us your name and your social media handles so that we can shout you out uh, if we choose you. And, of course, you know, you need to be able to go to the game. Uh, which game is it that we're doing again, sir? That will be game four, September 29th, against the Minnesota Vikings. So the, the contest ends... Uh, this is actually the last chance. This is the last 
uh, podcast that we are going to be talking about the tickets. So you have to listen, you mm -hmm. have to email, and then on our next recording, which is next Thursday, the 19th, we will be announcing the winner uh, on the show. So mm -hmm. uh, listen up, listen in, tune in, and enter, because uh, you've got a much greater shot at winning these tickets than the winner that, that had to be one of the 500 first followers of Halitech Hall. That was a one in 500. Uh, you've got one chance out of how many entries that are in the pot. We're not going to tell you how many they are, but uh, there's a ton of them. So we appreciate our listeners. We've got listeners in London. We've got listeners in Germany. We've got listeners uh, in Arizona. Uh, I We have a listener in Canada. It's a special shout out to my dear friend, Bears Girl. And uh, so we've got places, we've got everywhere all over the country are tuning in to, to Halitech Hall because we're just a little bit different. We're, we're not trash talkers. We talk facts. We talk historical content. And we give you the straight draw on what's going on in Bears Twitter. Absolutely, sir. Uh, one little note I wanted to add um, just to kind of end on a positive note about the about the game last week. Um, was that, uh, you know, Pagano's defense uh, actually put up one of the best performances that the Bears have had against the Packers in recent memory, um, you know, holding them to that low of yards. Uh, it's definitely one of the best performances against Aaron Rodgers uh, the Bears have ever had. And much was made of the supposed regression from Fangio to Pagano. Well, uh Fangio's defense in 2017 gave up more yards to Brett Hundley uh, than Pagano's defense did this past week against Aaron Rodgers. Um, so that gives you an idea. And Fangio was not particularly successful against Rodgers. Um, there were some, you know, pretty – uh, it, it, they didn't. The Green Bay didn't score uh, crazy games. There was no 55 to 14 like in uh, 2014, but they only managed to win one time, and that was in 2015, and that was 17 to 13 uh, at Green Bay. Otherwise, uh, Fangio's uh, Bears didn't beat uh, you know the Packers until. Um, that last game in 2018 uh, where they won the division. So, um, you know, I, I will say that we can feel very, very good about this defense. Um, and I think that this defense is going to uh, be good enough to carry them to a lot of victories. Um, and so, you know, um, I, I think most most real fans knew that the idea of regression was not going to happen. Um, but, you know, it's uh, it's nice to see it sort of play out, and and I feel good about um, that 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 trend, which it looks like it's going to be happening. That uh, the Pagano defense uh, looks strong, and uh, big things to come on that side of the ball. Absolutely, it'll be interesting to see what the the Bears defense looks like in terms of team defense after Week Two. Um, they're going up a quarter against a quarterback that. We talked about earlier, Joe Flacco is not the most mobile of quarterbacks. 
So he's going to be a sitting duck out there. And, and if there is any game, any game on this schedule early where you can get yourself a, a two-score cushion, you can just pin back the, the ears of the defensive uh, edge rushers and linebackers. Flacco's going to be a sitting duck out there, and it's just going to be fun to watch. So um, we'll look forward to talking more about the game next Thursday, hopefully with a much better outcome than what we had uh, this last time out. Uh, Aaron, as always, it's a pleasure. Um, And until next time, I think we're going to have a lot of fun uh, going forward. So thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, stay tuned. Make sure you, you enter our contest to, to uh, get some tickets to the Vikings game on the 29th of September. And uh, if we get, uh, maybe if we get another 500 followers and get to 1,000, we'll give away another pair of tickets. How is that for an incentive? So, there you go. Oh, and by the way, for the listeners that are listening in that also listen in to Aaron's other podcast, The Tailgate uh, Show, uh, Tick Splits has just agreed to provide the tailgate show with two tickets to an upcoming Bears game. And then the tickets, uh, the, the contest will be announced on an upcoming event of, of their podcast. So make sure you listen in to that one as well, because there's some great content on the tailgate show. That said, have a great week, everybody. Enjoy Sunday's game. It's a it's a late afternoon start, so uh, don't get too inebriated before kickoff. <laughs> Sound advice. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We do appreciate. And uh, if you can rate, review, and share the podcast, we always appreciate that. Have a great week, and go Bears. Go Bears.